Glad that y'all are here to worship with us this morning. I know we have a tired crew up at the top there, so uh, Pastor Joel, I encourage you to look at them, make sure that they don't fall asleep. Uh, but let's, uh, let's stand as we open and worship this morning. Forgive our sin and 
visitor or guest with us. Uh, I'd extend a welcome to you. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. Should be a card right in front of you, in the pew right in front of you that says connection card. If you would, grab that, fill that out, drop that in the offering basket on your way out this morning that we could have a record of you joining with us this morning. Love to be able to reach out to you, see if there's anything we can do for you, pray for you, uh, if you would give us that that opportunity uh, this morning. So, this past weekend, everybody, all the students wearing a shirt that looks like this, we uh, had a Disciple Now weekend down in Dolphin Island, and so we're all back here uh, to join with us this morning, and so uh, that is what, that's what's going on, and we, we have been, to keep, keep moving, we've been memorizing a verse out of, out of uh, scripture each month, and so we are continuing on this month, let's Let's refresh that, that verse in our minds this morning. It's real short. It's a very brief little, little verse. should be simple enough to commit to memory. And so let's read it once out loud, and uh, then we'll, we'll keep going. All right, here we go. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 105. So as... We have talked, this whole psalm is talking about Scripture, the law of God, God's revelation, and that it being the word, the verbal expression of God, God who has spoken, immutable, unchanging, infinite, Lord and God of all things, who is uncreated, who always has existed, who does not have physical form like you and I, therefore our perceptibility of God is not there unless he reveals and speaks to us. And he has. He has spoken. And he has told us who he is, revealed to us who he is, and then displayed visibly in the word Christ coming. That the Son took flesh and dwelt among us so that we see the verbal, visual expression of who God is in the Son who took flesh lived and gave his life on behalf of humanity, that anyone who would call upon him, believe, profess, faith and trust in Christ would be born again and saved by his grace. And so this word that God has spoken is a lamp to us, directs us, gives us illumination to know where to go, instructs us in life of what is most important, what is valuable, who we are and who God is. So, these very short words are helpful, and I hope you will take time to memorize them, to meditate on them, to spend time thinking about them and what God says here. So Easter is coming up. 
And as part of the Easter season, every year there is an offering that every Southern Baptist church uh, joins together in to collect, to give, to support missionaries who are uh, strewn about through cities and places all over North America. And so this uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering uh, is, is collected and goes every bit of it to support these mission efforts, these people uh, who have followed the Lord's call upon their lives to plant within a, a local area in order to share the gospel, in order to make disciples and see the Lord plant and grow churches uh, in the place and in the group of people they're called to. And so today, as we have watched a few videos and have prayed a week last month, and uh, looking forward to it, today is the day to collect those offerings. And so if you, have, if you have something set aside, if you would just make note of it, drop that in the offering basket uh, either now or later on uh, in, in worship at the end of our time. I uh, would encourage you to, uh, to just drop those in the basket that they would, they would go to that, uh, those mission uh, folks who are who are spread out through North America. So if you would join with me now in prayer for these offerings uh, that throughout the convention uh, the people are giving and collecting that the Lord would bless, use them, and that he would be glorified through them. So if you would join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have spoken and that we can know you by what you have spoken, by what you have inspired, Lord, by what you have preserved in Scripture and by what you have done in your Son. That you, Lord Jesus, came. You took flesh. You took humanity fully upon you, yet without sin. And you gave your perfect life on our behalf so that death and sin would be done and destroyed and that you, you rose again from death. You rose again from the grave destroying sin and death and the works of the enemy. And so, Father, God, I ask your help this morning that, God, you would direct our minds, you would direct, Lord, our attention to you, to what you have said, what you have revealed, and who you are. That, God, this morning you would draw us, Lord, in humility before you. That our lives would be consecrated to you and given to you as you would will and for your glory and then for our good. So, Father, these monies across the Southern Baptist Convention that are being collected and will be forwarded on to the North American Mission Board, God, we ask you to be with each family, each person that you have sent, that, God, you would help them God, you would fill them with your spirit, with your word, that God, they would, they would uh, see open doors, they would see opportunities to share of you and faithfully do so. God, that they would be faithful in the place and in the people that you've called them to. They would be faithful to make disciples and to teach your word and to see new believers baptized and to see local churches uh, started. God, would you use this money to that end, that God, it would support those families, and that God, there would be a, a harvest of new believers who know you, whose eyes have been opened, and who have been saved by your grace. So, Father, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing, and Lord, we ask that God, you would be with, uh, Lord, the gifts that are given for your glory. 
ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we continue in worship. Once you're in 
Now sit it at your table, Jesus thank you. Once your enemy, now sit it at your table, Jesus To 
that you made on the cross. God, the price you paid for our sin. God, help us not to take that for granted. Lord, help us to remember the, the sorrow out of that time in the garden praying, let this cup pass over me. But more importantly, let your will be done being willing to take that debt on yourself. Being willing to stand in our place. Die in our place so that we may live with you. Father, thank you for your son. 
Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. And thank you for the spirit to bring us close to you, to fall on us, to reveal to us what that sacrifice meant. God, I pray for Pastor Joel as he brings the word that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand, that we will be attentive, that we will be focused, and God, that we will leave this building better equipped to be your church. Father, we love you, and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Next Sunday, as has already been said, is uh, Resurrection Sunday, and I want to uh, encourage you uh, to invite someone to come with you and be a part of that. It's one of those uh, uh, two holidays out of a year that you can get just about anybody to come to church with you, okay? So there should be a full house, and invite them to come, and in order to do that, you're going to have to take them home for lunch, so uh, just make plans to do that. And it'll be a great day. Uh, today, uh, the Sunday before, is called Palm Sunday. And uh, it was the day when everybody said, uh, Oh, Lord, save us. Hosanna is the, is the word in Aramaic that they use. Hosanna uh, is uh, he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so uh, we thank God that we have a Savior. And it was a very high and uh, a celebrati celebrative moment, but that led through a week of humility and brokenness, death, uh, failure, denial by Peter, uh, the disciples leaving. And uh, it wasn't until the following week, on that first day of the week, that Jesus rose from the dead to give us uh, our true reason for celebrating, uh, not because he's a king coming uh, riding on a, a donkey, but he is our savior who is king of kings and lord of lords. And that's kind of what we're celebrating today. The message uh, today is from Isaiah 50, uh, 49, uh, not forgotten, and uh, is the title. Now next week we'll be looking at Isaiah 53, and uh, the, the title is, The Right Man is on Our Side. And uh, those of you who can figure that out, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll buy you a cup of coffee, okay? Where does that come from? And uh, it doesn't come out of the Bible. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I see a few of you that I know you already know what it is, and that's good. Uh, so anyway, Isaiah 49, beginning in verse 14. Uh, we're going to read three verses. I'm going to basically uh, exegete, that is, bring out uh, from one verse uh, the message for today that uh, we're not forgotten. So, uh, verse 14, but Zion, and remember when we say that, we, we are talking contextually about Judah, uh, the, the, uh, Jerusalem and Judah in its historical setting. The northern tribes have already sold out to a foreign land. The southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, have also made an agreement with Assyria. 
They are a vassal kingdom. That means they're being controlled by another. They're puppets, as it were. And in the middle, middle of that, Hezekiah is being used of the Lord uh, to, uh, to give promises to his people that no matter what's going on around you, that God is fighting for you, his people. So when he says Zion here, he is talking about them, but I want you to know he's talking about his people. And if you're his, he's talking about you. So Zion has said, hmm, because you've never said this. The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. I don't know if you've ever been at a point when you thought, hmm, does God even know my address? Does he know how to get in touch with me? Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? And the expected answer is no, she cannot. And yet it says even these may. They can forget. It does happen. There is abandonment that takes place because of the sinfulness of humanity. And yet we have this wonderful promise. Yet I will not forget you. What a precious promise. And then as an illustration of that, he says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. And so let's pray together again. Fathers, we come to your word this morning yet again. has been prayed many, many times before. Lord, what we are not, we pray today that you might make us. What we know not, that you might teach us. And Lord, what we have not, that you might give us. In order that through our lives, glory would be bought, brought to the wonderful Son of God, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, I said today's Palm Sunday, and I didn't even think about it when I started talking about uh, doing this verse, and it talks about the palms of God's hands. We're talking about two different palms, and I know that, but maybe this will help you remember the message, okay? Uh, that you'll think about being in the palm of God's hand. Uh, so we're really going to just look at verse 16, and let me just read it again. Behold, and it's a significant word, it will be the first point of the message. Uh, behold, and it means to look, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand, and your walls are continually before me. So the first word of this text is behold. And uh, it's in the context of us understanding that Israel wasn't what they should be. They weren't behaving as they should behave. They weren't living as they should be living. Lord, I, we sang it, I want to follow you. Well, don't, you know, don't want to follow him, do what? Follow him. And yet, what do we do? At times, we fail. At times, we get our eyes off of Christ. At times, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we're looking at the wrong thing. Uh, our sin and the consequences of shame because of sin uh, causes us to, at times, rebelliously try 
to hide ourselves from God. And here we have God saying what? Look, Adam and Eve, uh, Genesis 3, 9 and 10 says, uh, The Lord called to the man, that is Adam, and said to him, Where are you? Where was Adam? Hiding. He said, I, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So it's the tendency to understand that because of our sin and our shame, we do what? We hide from God, and yet what is God saying to us? Look. Behold me. Uh, you might remember Jonah. When Jonah was given an assignment from the Lord, what did he do? He said, I don't want to do it. And so he went the opposite direction. He ran from the Lord. Did he get away from the Lord? Absolutely not. We all know the story of how the Lord captured him and brought him back. Uh, we at times, we seek to hide from the Lord in, in rags of human goodness or religion. And that's been true of probably all of us. Uh, sometimes we do it in robes of self-righteousness. And uh, that can't uh, hide us from uh, the Lord. Uh, we may come up with some kind of uh, intellectual algorithm whereby we, we uh, think we're going to intellectually uh, reason through God and the, the truths that were true today that aren't true tomorrow we'll come up with new truths and then we'll accept those. And so we'll try to hide in that. What did he just say? We, we try to outthink God sometimes, or we think we can. I'm talking about humanity. And yet we can't outthink God because truth in this world often seems to be ambiguous, changing. Uh, what was true yesterday uh, is not true today. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I, to explain why I have such problems uh, uh, as a as a an adult, it goes back to things like I, I used to drink out of a hose back in the day. You know, I, di I didn't know that uh, it's wrong to drink out of a hose. It's, it's unsafe to drink out of a hose. And uh, y'all, you parents know that. You're not supposed to let them drink out of a hose. And I'm like, well, why? And see, truth always seems to be changing ba babies I can't remember which it is they were supposed to be put on their bellies and then they said no on their backs and I don't know what I'm, I probably got it backwards and now it's changed back again and and it's just an illustration of trying to outwit outfigure or hide away from God and the reality is there is no place to hide from God Amos 9.3 tells us about uh, uh, how God finds us. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, that was a mountain there near present-day Tel Aviv. If they go and hide away at a Mediterranean uh, location, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, just like Jonah did, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. Good news is God doesn't say hide. God says look. Look unto me all you ends of the earth. 
and be saved. And really, isn't it great to think in terms of if I could just hide somewhere was, which was safe? And the scripture tells us in Colossians 3.3, 3, For you, as believers in Christ, you have been born again, you have died, and your life is hidden in or with Christ in God. So Jesus bids us, come. Come and follow me. Come after me. Uh, Chris Rice uh, sang a song. Uh, I'll read some of the words to it. It's not all the words to the song. Weak and wounded sinner, lost and left to die. Oh, raise your head for love is passing by. Talking about Jesus. So come to Jesus, come to Jesus, come to Jesus and live. So the call is to come to him. Uh, Sometimes the way is lonely and steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours the rain, then cry to Jesus and cry to Jesus and cry to Jesus and live. And then ultimately when it comes to die with your final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye, then go in peace and laugh on glory's side and fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus. That scripture is so full of, you and I have no right. We have no right to this table. This table is a picture of an invitation to all that Christ is. And we have no right to it. We flee and hide. And yet Jesus says, come. Come, look, and believe. Um... I read an article, I didn't read the article, I just saw the title of the article. The title of the article was, Run to Jesus, God's Not Mad With You. Uh, It wasn't written by Joel Osteen, by the way. But, but, But the title caught me, because God is mad with us. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. And I think if we don't understand that, we will never know what grace is. You see, God is angry at sin, and God is angry at sinners. And so to pull that out of the equation, there is no good news. There's no hope. There's no promise of eternal life. God's wrath and anger and His righteousness demands that He be mad with us. Now, wait a minute. That's not popular. Well, there's a lot of things that aren't popular that are true. And the truth is, he, he is angry at us. And yet, it is only through Jesus Christ bearing our sin, giving or paying the payment. I've got to address what's behind me up here. Because this is a Greek word that's been transliterated with English letters. And it's uh, one word, but it's translated with three words in our Bibles. And it's translated, it is finished. And it, it, it is best understood by this, paid in full. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, when he spoke this word, one word on the cross there, he was saying, I've paid the debt. The debt has been paid. It is through Christ paying for our sins and then calling us to salvation through repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ Then his wrath, his anger is satisfied. We just sang about it. 
His anger is satisfied. His judgment upon sin is satisfied, not when we clothe ourselves with the rags of our own works or if we put on the robe of self-righteousness or if we somehow try to outthink God or if we try to hide and be quiet, just fly under the radar. God's anger is not satisfied. It's satisfied in one place and one place alone, and that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the question is, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Are you in Christ? Have you come to the place when you have trusted Christ and Christ alone to be the Savior and Lord of your life, the hope of your salvation? So our first word was that word, uh, I forgot what it was now. Y'all help me out. No, I wouldn't behold. Solicited. I didn't give it to you. It's the word solicited. It's changing the word behold to solicited, okay? I have to give all S's this morning, okay? Sorry, I didn't give you that. Solicited. He solicits us. He says, come. I like that. I'm glad I ended on that. Number two from this verse is that we're secured. Notice what he says. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Now, back, uh, uh, you, you've already seen that he's, he said, uh, Israel says, Lord, you've forgotten me. And can a, can a mother forget her child? It's out of the context of that that the Lord is reminding, I haven't forgotten you. I've engraved you on my hand. Back in uh, chapter 44 and verse 5, uh, the Lord says, and I, I am the Lord's. Uh, one will say, I'm the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. Well, listen, you can write on your hand all day. And it won't make you to be a child's God. But the question is, are you engraved on his hand? And you and I are engraved in His hands when we become children of God. And how do we become children of God? In simplicity. All who came, call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I, I shared it with a couple of people earlier this morning. I said, you know, I, I was, I, I was and, and still am, believe it or not, very shy and bashful. And uh, I, uh, I can remember... Yes, I am. Don't look at me that way. Uh, I really am. I can remember um, girls wanting to go steady with me when I was young. Okay? And I was so bashful and shy, and I not realize steady is, really dates me, and I understand that. And what they would do would be, because usually it was the other way around, the guys would go up to a gal and say, can you give me your name and number, and what would they do? they write down the palm of their hand. Well, mine was different, because I was so shy and bashful, I'd, there'd be a girl come up, and she'd just grab my hand, and she'd write her name and phone number on the palm of my hand. And, uh, you know, you could do that. And I don't know uh, if I really didn't want to call her and couldn't get the courage up to call her. You know, after a couple of days, guess what? It's gone. Numbers, yeah, I occasionally took a bath in those days, and it, it would be gone. 
This isn't that. This is exactly the opposite of it. It is the Lord who says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. To be a child of God, God says you are mine. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, when you put it in the plural, Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in your midst, in the middle of you. I'm right there with you. Uh, there was a songwriter, uh, Fanny Crosby. She went by, I think, 80 other names in writing hymns. And I guess if you were called Fanny, that's probably a good reason why to go by other names. Uh, <laughs> but she wrote a, she wrote a hymn uh, and the, by, by the title, My Savior First of All. And here's the first verse and its refrain. It says, When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, and when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side. And smile, and his smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. You know, I, I, I read a uh, commentary. Uh, it's called Kylan Dalich. Uh, it's an Old Testament set of commentaries written by two German uh, commentators back in a long time ago. But they were, they were Messianic Christians. They were Jewish people who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And as they're writing about this, uh, though they don't come out and say it explicitly, it's implicit. That means it's implied by quoting others, that what does it really mean that he's engraved us in his hand really goes back to the fact that there are nail prints in his hands. It's as if he's saying, you think I could ever forget you? Could I, can I forget your, could these nail prints ever go away? And and that's what Fanny Crosby was saying. When I see him, I'll know him. He'll have the hand uh, nails in his handprints. And, and, and Christ will not forget you if you are his. You are engraved on his hands and he solicits you to come. So it is because of his redemption that your name is engraved in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. But lastly, number three... We are sealed. So where do you get that? Notice the language there. Your walls are continually before me. What does that mean? Well, walls are for two reasons. One is to keep you in. And the other is to keep people out. Okay? It's there to keep you in and protect you. And... It's there to keep others from coming in and bothering. And, and so when God is using this, this metaphor, this illustration, He says, I, I see your boundaries. I, I know you. And I am, I am as it were, uh, 
gardening you off. I am garrisoning you off. We're taught in Philippians chapter 4 to worry about nothing but pray about everything. And when we do that, it tells us that, that God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that word to guard is, is to put a garrison about. We, we can't help but know what's going on in Ukraine right now. And uh, I saw this morning where uh, the Russian troops are relocating all to the east. And their intent is to surround the Ukrainians of the east. And uh, that's in a tragic situation. What God is saying is there's, there's a world that you and I live in and it's, it's enemy territory. You live in enemy territory. It's his world, but the God of this world is none other than our enemy, Satan, who walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And, uh, you know, too often we, we have uh, the smell of blood on us instead of holiness. And so we're, we're prime game. And yet Christ says, no, I have sealed you. So the context here again is, I will not forsake you. And the Lord is passionate about him not forsaking us. It's expressed in the Song of Solomon. You might remember Solomon's writing. He's talking about a love relationship uh, between a husband and a wife. But it's a picture of Christ and his church. And in that context, in, in the 8th chapter of the Song of Solomon in verse 6, he says, Set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy, and we're speaking about this, by the way, in the best sense of the words of jealousy. God is a jealous God. He guards us. He protects us. He says, I don't want anybody else to have you. Jealousy is fierce as the grave, and it fla its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. I want you to see God's passion for sealing us, securing us, guarding us. So at the end of Isaiah 49... Verses 25 and 26. Hear, hear it again in the context of Isaiah. For thus says the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken, and the prey of the tyrant be rescued. For I will contend. Hear, hear what God says. I will contend with those who contend with you. Is God on our side? Yeah. He says, I'm going to contend with those who, cont those who fight with you. I'm going to fight with them. I will save your children. I will make your oppressors, <laughs> look at this language, eat their own flesh. They'll be drunk with their own blood as with wine. Then all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your Savior, your Redeemer, and the mighty God of Jacob. I don't know about you, but those are such encouraging words. I haven't forgotten you. I won't forget you. You run and hide, but I have come to seek and to save that which was lost, and I paid the, re 
redemption price that's paid in full. And I say to you when you're hiding, come. Look unto Jesus and be saved. Look unto Christ and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued, saved. The redemption is on the part of Christ. And you and I have sin and sin alone to bring to the Savior. And so it's through faith alone in Christ alone. So in Ephesians chapter 1 it says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, that Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day, and you have believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's marked you off. He says, you're mine. You're mine. And He is the guarantee of our inheritance, the down payment. The, that which seals the deal He has given us in the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us until we acquire, come into full possession of it, that is our salvation, which will be fully realized in heaven and this is to the praise of the glory of his wrath so what is our response well, I'm going to give you three words and, uh, and then a song that I'm not going to sing okay give you three words number one our response should be understand his wrath we need to understand the wrath of God his holiness and justice requires satisfaction for our sin. That's why we take of the bread and of the juice because it reminds us that he bore our sin in his body on the tree and he shed his precious blood and he could cry, it is finished. And it's proved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Number two, worship. When we see his hands and his feet, we ought to respond in the same way that Thomas did. When Thomas saw the nail prints in his hand and in his feet and the, and the, and the wound in his side, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And then thirdly, witness. That which we have experienced in Christ, we need to give witness to and testimony. And they say, what a great and mighty God that saves us. There's a uh, lady by the name of Charity Bancroft. Uh, you probably don't know her name. She was the daughter of an Irish pastor. She, she penned a hymn in 1863. It was interesting. I didn't know this. I, I looked in a whole old, old hymn book. Okay, I mean really, really old. It had one little hymn in the middle of the page which had the, the tune. And then it had four other songs around it. And you were supposed to sing those four, all five of those songs to the same tune. And so the tune that you may know of with this song uh, is different. It was written in 1997. And actually for 100 years this song pretty much stayed dormant until it was resurrected by a young lady from Sovereign Grace Ministries. You, you'll know the words, most of you. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, 
a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid thence depart. No tongue can then me thence depart. And then when Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and I see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. So behold him there, the risen lamb. So here we go. Behold, behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace. At one with him are you in Christ, through faith alone in Christ alone. One with him I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. Are you in Christ today? And how does one come to be in Christ? It's the simplicity of the fact that Jesus Christ calls us to the salvation He has purchased for us. He bids us come. Come and believe. Come in repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, there is a new birth that takes place and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day in which we'll see our full possession so that you're His, engraven in His hand. And you cannot be forgotten by Him. And you're not welcome to come and take of this table unless you are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, this becomes the picture of all the salvation that he offers to everyone. So let's bow our heads together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And Lord, we come to this moment to respond. To respond by understanding that there is wrath, anger because of our sin. But it has been satisfied through the blood of Jesus Christ and yet you say we must come in repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Lord when we do your Holy Spirit regenerates us makes us alive again we who were dead in our trespasses and sins he makes alive and Lord I pray that if if someone is in my hearing this morning, that they would hear the voice of the Spirit to say, Come, look, believe, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And that in doing that, we will come to confess you before men unashamedly, and Lord, to worship you, so that we worship you with our lives, with our lips, and Lord, with, with this ordinance that you have given us, the Lord's Supper, that it becomes a time of worshiping you because you have paid it all.
and you've engraven us in your hands. And then when we leave this place, that we would be witnesses, that we would share the story of the greatness of your grace. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand.